Purple, get ready to roll indeed. This is College and Kimball. I am your host, Jeff Burkhart, getting ready to dive into your weekly opponent preview. Kansas State, of course, opening up Big 12 play last Saturday in Stillwater, falling to Mike Gundy and the Oklahoma State Cowboys. 31-20 was the final. K-State now turning its focus to the Oklahoma Sooners 4-0 and ranked 6th in the country is Lincoln Riley's squad. And joining me now to help break down the OU Sooners is Keegan Renault, co-host of the Through the Keyhole podcast. He does exceptional work in film analysis. You can support and have access to that work if you want to take a look at his Patreon. We'll put the link out in the show notes here. And with all that said, Keegan, first off, thank you for taking time to join us. And I'll start with the pretty obvious question. We've grown so accustomed to seeing Oklahoma with big explosive numbers. And, you know, last year we looked, the Sooners putting up just a shade under 500 yards of total offense, averaging 43 points per game. Spencer Rattler was just a a revelation as a freshman. And things haven't quite gotten up to third gear yet this year for this OU team. If you take out that 76-point bombing of Western Carolina. Oklahoma's only averaging 26.3 per game. That would be 86th in the country. Uh, what have you seen in, in your analysis of Oklahoma film that's really with the underlying cause or causes of Oklahoma not being able to really get off the ground here through the first few weeks? Well, I'm going to throw out the uh, I'm going to throw out the Western Carolina game here. So they played really sure. three real opponents in the first four games. In the first two of those games, Spencer Rattler did not take any steps. And everybody is not assumed, but I, I made a growing pains of a young quarterback thing this off season and went through all the struggles he had and, you know, not understanding coverage and not understanding guys dropping from the line of scrimmage and not picking up where blitzers are coming from and, and putting himself in the offense in bad positions at times last year, this year, those first two games, it was a case. It, same situation you know, not seeing things. There's some explosive opportunities he doesn't take of because he doesn't see it or just went ahead and took what was given to him at the time. And, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is that in the third game against West Virginia, Rattler figured it out. He was able to figure out what defense West Virginia was running. Him and Lincoln Riley were seeing eye to eye on things on the field. They started to open, really, really open things up in the second half. Then the rest of the team took a step back. You have two guys run two bad routes or not run their proper routes. One of them turns an interception and the other one turns into a drop on a deep ball on a ball that carried over 52 yards in the air. So you're you're talking about a a situation in the West Virginia game where Rattler took a massive step forward and then everybody else around them took a step back. It was the vice versa for the first two games. So they just have not put it together. A lot of 10-man football offensively, so far this season that doesn't mean and it, again I, I i want to note this i mean west virginia those those defensive tackles we we talked about heading into the game those defensive tackles are probably some of the best that they'll face this season akeem mesador is going to be a top 100 pick when it's all said and done dante fields is a fantastic player i don't know where he's going to get drafted and then they got a young pup in jordan jefferson that's as good as those other two so it was going to be a good test for that offensive line but Man, they struggled and struggled in a sense that I haven't seen an offensive line struggle. And just to be real about it, haven't seen it struggle that bad since Ohio State came into town in 2016. I mean, they got manhandled up front at times. They were better in the second half, and Andrew Rain won his licks, but young kid at center and his first start against some NFL talent up front, it's, it's going to be rough. So 
and, 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 you know, to put the cherry on the top here, I, you know, you look at West Virginia heading into the game last week, man, and the outside, their edges weren't good in the run game. They didn't run much outside zone, didn't get in the split back, didn't do the things that was probably putting the offense in the best position to succeed. There's been a weird thing about Lincoln this year, and I don't know if it's because he didn't trust Spencer that he saw that those two saw the same things on the on the field. I don't know if it's because the offensive line, but what I do know is that it's everybody. It's from Lincoln to Spencer. Now Spencer, those two are getting better, and then it's now everybody. And so I think the two key cogs of the machine that everybody knows it by uh, are starting to put it together together and the rest of the offense now has to continue to take strides the offensive line has to be better Um, again you had two routes on Saturday that missed two big big plays that Oklahoma could have had and again they I I don't think they're lying when they say it's close but man they're putting a much larger target target on their back and they're going to Manhattan with already a massive target on the back. I was at the game in 2019. I know what this crowd's going to be like. It's a great atmosphere. I love Manhattan. I am jealous of anybody that's going to be at that game on Saturday. Well, certainly hoping that the weather, I know they're projecting a little bit of rain right now, hoping that clears off and we get a beautiful fall Saturday in the little apple. And again, I know, uh, that game in 2019 was, you know, from from my perspective, yes, it was amazing to see K-State do what it did, particularly offensively. It was the the most efficient we've ever seen a Courtney Messingham offense just in terms of, of yards per play, how sharp they were in the passing game. K-State was truly firing on all cylinders in that game, and they're, they're going to need a similar type of effort to be able to get it done this coming Saturday against Oklahoma. And it, it's so bizarre for me to hear you say that there's so many elements of this Oklahoma team where they just haven't meshed the way that they have previously. You talk about offensive line. Now, as a, as a native Kansas Cityan, I, I certainly am glad you guys were willing to, you know, as Creed Humphreys come in and, and made big impact for the Chiefs thus far. We're certainly glad that he's uh, working for us now in that uh, Yeah, he's that not sense. bad, right? Yeah, he, no, he's, he's, he's pretty solid. He's pretty solid. Uh, but it's so weird, too, when you talk about specialists. You know, we, we see Kennedy Brooks a little sluggish out of the gate. I know Marvin Mims was thought to be the, uh, kind of the next – and, and maybe you could shed some light on that. Was he really looked at as kind of the next big explosive type, the next Hollywood Brown, or, or does Oklahoma even have that type of receiver in the in the personnel department right now? No, they do. It's Mario Williams, and he's young, and he's getting more and more reps, and he's going to be a three-year guy at Oklahoma, and it's not, hell, he may go play baseball. So, um, you know, I, I think you're, you're looking at a, a receiver group that lost, a big piece of it to his own doing. But I mean, the talk of treasured bridges throughout the spring from what I know and understand throughout the summer, throughout the spring last fall, when he was suspended, what he was doing on the scout team. um, You're talking about a kid that probably had a year from becoming maybe that riser and that receiver, deep receiver group at the draft this year, you know, maybe being a second round, first round guy. So they lost that, obviously, to the alleged robbery. I still have to put that in quotations, right, uh, that happened back around the spring practice time. It's been weird. Uh, and there's a lot of it that it does fall on Marvin at times, but there's a lot of it that doesn't, that's fallen on Spencer or it's fallen on the offensive line. Uh, when, you know, Marvin Mims has to, you know, when Spencer gets out of the pocket and things collapse, he's got to come back to the quarterback. And there's multiple times where he has big play opportunities if they just operate the scramble drill right. And so it, it's, it all goes hand in hand. 
Uh, I think the biggest thing is that from a skill set, from a projecting what Marvin Mims can be, I think that Devontae Smith kind of skill set speaks the volumes to it because of his size. But Jaden Hazelwood and Mike Woods are probably their two most NFL-ready, two most probably going to be potential really good NFL players um, are the two guys on the outside right now. And Marvin Mims is in a weird position. He's playing this kind of H that, if you guys remember names like Nick Basquin and Miles Keyes, uh, I believe both of those guys have had big plays against Kansas State in the past. So it's uh, it, he's playing a different position that blocks more. He's required to be the blocker in the screen game. There's just a lot that goes into it. Marvin, I think, is going to be okay. Uh, Spencer missed him twice in the Nebraska game. You know, I it's it's a work in progress for everybody. Like you said, it's just weird that things aren't meshing well, and it's weird that it some of it uh, is falling on Lincoln Riley. And I can say I'm not in the, I'm not in those press conferences every day anymore I'm not in those getting into the mud with them but I can tell from just listening to these there's a lot of this that he's putting on himself that he hasn't really done in the past and so it's 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 all goes hand in hand they all got to be better they're being really defined and defensive right now as you could expect but uh, who knows if, if they play a lot of 11-man football and that's the first weekend they do it against Kansas State it shouldn't surprise anybody if things continue to be str- a struggle bus for them then yeah, I wish nobody should be surprised either. You talk about Lincoln there taking a lot of the heat, and I, I, I'm surprised he, he's putting a lot on his shoulders. And, and truthfully, though, I, I, I look at his career trajectory, and, and so, so often you hear his name really mentioned in synonymous terms with oh, the next big NFL coach. He's thought of kind of in the same context of a Cliff Kingsbury the, these great offensive innovators, and I think Lincoln probably more so than Cliff in that sense. D- do you feel like he is, he's long for Norman, Oklahoma? It's one of those things, right? You're in this world, and he understands because of Bob Stoops and speaking with him, and they're obviously still super close, that if he goes to the NFL, he's not going to have nearly as much freedom as he has at Oklahoma. Uh, he knows that it's I mean, now that with Oklahoma heading the SEC, it's a different conversation. But, I mean, basically he had to turn the machine on and, and get it really running, and he could just dominate this this league. And I think that that stability and that opportunity is really enticing. And now he's got our new unique challenge that to go to the SEC and go win. And then if you win a national championship there, I mean, no doubt are you on the top of your sport. And I think that challenge excites him. Uh, the Big, I think that not even the Dallas Cowboys won. I, I think that when the Atlanta Falcons job opened up, there was a lot of talk in my circles about him being interested in the Falcons because of the autonomy that he would have within that organization, what they give their head coach, what the opportunities they give. And I, his name was linked there, but again, he didn't take it. And he's building a home in Norman, or he just built one. Uh, and so all the signs point to him being at Oklahoma long term. I just I, I think part of this man is is a little bit of stubbornness. Like I said, I mean, the, you watch the West Virginia tape; they're flying upfield. Anytime Oklahoma's running, or any team ran counter or any power game, the guy that's lined up over the guy that's pulling is just flying upfield, and it's really hard to run an offense with that. And guess what they ran on the very first play of the game? They ran their patented counter eight f h back. He's with the counter with the guard. And West Virginia just blew it up. So it's uh, there's a little bit of stubbornness there. It got better as the game went on, but ultimately he's 
you know, I, I think he's fighting that fight of, man, these things have worked for so long, they're going to work. And he's adjusted. He adjusted after the 2019 Kansas State loss. He didn't necessarily have to adjust last year, uh, but he adjusted in 18 with Kyler Murray. He adjusted in 2017 with that offense. He's adjusted every time. I don't, I don't think that, you know, we're gonna, I'm going to sit here and tell you he's not going to figure it out this year, that he's going to be stubborn the rest of the year because the track record says against that. But a lot of the – I think he goes hand-in-hand hand with a lot of the problems that this offense has had. So, again, I, I don't think it should, should surprise anybody if Oklahoma comes out and looks like a different product this weekend offensively. But it also shouldn't surprise you if this is another sluggish game from this offense. Kansas State fans would obviously love that, especially with their offense struggling to get off the ground. And I think that's where I would like to turn my attention next. Uh, K-State's obviously coming in. What do you mean? This is Skylar Thompson week. This is his biggest week every year. And I know so many fans were hopeful that he was going to be available this week. Now, this could be 100% gamesmanship by by Kleiman saying that he's going to be a no-go. He said it was doubtful in the press conference on Tuesday. I, I, I'll take that to the bank. I don't think there's any... I, I thought with, with so many people believing that this was going to be a season-ending injury that he sustained against, uh, uh, you know, Southern Illinois a couple weeks ago and then saying, oh, yeah, the turnaround for this is only going to be three weeks. I thought that was a pretty ambitious timeline. So I, I'm fully expecting to see Will Howard and and hopefully the, this K-State offense finds a way with him. Now, this is going to be tough sledding against Oklahoma. This defense has really, under Alex Grinch, taken a lot of strides. Where have you seen the most drastic improvement just and I know it might be hard to think of it going all the way back to when Mike Stoops was calling things you know back in 2018 but where have you seen the biggest improvement I think the biggest thing that you have to note first is that he's really simplified things and that for Kansas State fans understand that because in 2019 they bring out this concept where they're acting like they're pulling the guard over and then they return it and I don't know if that's part of the offense still or part of the playbook but against this defense and the way it's wired, it really, really works. So they've really simplified things. They've let their athletes be athletes. And I think that, to its core, has brought them. And But now, as you know, as everybody in this league knows, that the air raid roots run deep. And the air raid philosophy runs deep in terms of we're going to run the same plays at a different windows, and we're going to give you different window dressings to look at it. But it's going to be the same stuff over and over and over until you stop it. That's what Mike Leach has talked about the air raid. And it's also a philosophical approach in terms of trying something a little bit different that may be seen as crazy. And it's kind of getting to them this year. Uh, you're talking about West Virginia, my man, ran a slant flat concept like eight times that, that, was, that were successful. And six of those came from different windows that looked a lot different pre-snap, but it's the same exact play. And that should come – I mean, you're talking about an offensive staff that has had this defensive staff number. Now, last year, you can get into whatever you – you know, get into all the metrics and all the other stuff that you want, right? You have a couple Deuce Vaughn long runs, uh, a missed tackle when Oklahoma wasn't lined up right on the line of scrimmage, three big – four big explosive coverage busts, four big explosive plays, a pump block, and three turnovers. Uh, that, again, Oklahoma didn't have a performance like that the rest of the year, and for good measure – those games just don't typically happen from anybody, uh, especially with all those things happening. But my point is, is that this, if you watch the Tulane game, if you watch specifically uh, the West Virginia game, 
those are the areas of the defense that have been there for defenses or for offenses to take the picking from. And Alex French hasn't adjusted. He adjusted in the West Virginia game, and then it went right back in the second half to what they were doing before. And so, again, I, I think, you know, you're hearing a common phrase here. You're hearing a common theme from me is that I think this it's just been a lot of stubbornness. And, um, you know, the defense is, again, I'm not sitting here. I, I broke down and when I was breaking down and watching the 2017 and 2018 defenses, trust me, I have an appreciation for how far this defense has come. <laughs> no doubt. But, at, at this point, this team with this talent defensively should be a little bit better. And I think, again, if you put your defense in the best position to be successful every single snap, and I know that's never going to happen because coordinator scout, because teams know your weaknesses, they're going to attack those. But you've got to be able to adjust because the biggest thing here, look at what Nebraska and West Virginia did. They shortened the game. They made it an eight-nine possession game. They made the margin for error for the offense. A lot, a, a lot thinner. I mean, you, you have two bad drives, and it can cost you right now if you're this Oklahoma offense, and it makes life hard. So I fully expect Courtney Messingham and Chris Kleiman to be ready this week. They've been ready the last two years. The 2019 scheme for the Oklahoma game was, it was I mean, art to a T. They're Picasso. It's one of the most beautiful, drawn-up games that I've watched from an offensive coordinator because it's traditional. It was, it was old school. I'm a traditionalist at heart. I loved it. So I fully expect them to be ready, and Grinch needs to be ready too because they're going to – if they want to come out and run their base stuff on this first drive, Kansas State puts an eight, nine-minute, seven, eight, nine-minute drive together, shortens the game, puts the pressure on the offense to be executed at a really high level. Things can get really interesting. So it's been, it's been nice to see uh, the defense continue to take strides each week that they have, and I can tell you that they have but there's still that little bit there that could really cost them. And you got to play complimentary football if you're going to want to win this league this year with how deep it is, especially in that middle of the pack. Now, as far as Oklahoma's defense goes and, and projecting forward in terms of whether or not you feel this group can contend for beyond a Big 12 championship, is this, is this group playoff contender good? I, I certainly think just looking at the landscape of the Big 12 that – there's really no one that's jumping off the page. And truth be told, that West Virginia team, that might be, as you said, one of the more formidable defenses Oklahoma's going to face all season long. You know, you see Texas Tech, yeah, they they give up 70, but they also carve up Texas for 35 points. Texas has had some bad games. Iowa State, I think that's the one game that if you're Oklahoma, you probably have circled on the calendar for obvious reasons. But I, I think this Oklahoma team can still pretty heavily lean on its defense and make its way not only to Arlington, but also to the playoff. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, you heard me chuckle a little bit there. Like, yeah, I mean, there's we sat here, man, in the same exact week at the same exact time from a year ago. And all of us and maybe everybody in Big 12 country got really excited because Oklahoma had two losses in conference. And what do you know? They run off and they win every freaking game and they prove everybody wrong. And so I'm not betting against these guys. I'm not betting against Lincoln Riley. But there are things that have to improve and improve quick. It may not be this week, but when you go down the Cotton Bowl, and it's – you know, let's talk about this week a little bit. I mean, it's the first road game for Spencer Rattler. True road environment. I mean, everybody can talk about them going on the road and playing in half-empty stadiums last year and that being a big deal and not getting used to it. It's going to be a whole different atmosphere this week. And if it's going to be – if these guys can't handle this atmosphere and the pressure of this game, especially in Manhattan for Kansas State fans, 
Imagine what those 45,000 in the Cotton Bowl for OU Texas is going to be like, right? So it's there's that. Um, yeah, I, I think this defense and Grinch will figure it out. They've been they gotten better every game as the season's gone on the last two years, his first two years. I mean, okay, the Peach Bowl happened, right? Uh, we maybe undervalued how much Ronnie Perkins missed in that game, and I think a lot of people that have watched this league would say the same at this point after his performance last year. So you look at this defense, they got some holes in it uh, in terms of the scheme of it, and teams can attack that. You got to be the right team. You got to take some risks. You got to take your shots when you have them. And if you do, you can slow them down. You're not going to win every drive of a game. That's just not going to happen. They generate too many negative plays. They generate too many havoc plays with TBUs, uh, balls deflected, negative plays. Uh, they do. They generate too many of those for you to be able to sustain success throughout a game. But can you get two to three drives and have success with it? I absolutely think you can. And if that's the case, that means Alex Grinch hasn't adjusted. That means he hasn't done you know, put his players in the best position to be successful. And at that point, you know, it's all in the air. And if the offense continues to be sluggish, again, this, this creates a very big opportunity for Kansas State this weekend because if Oklahoma doesn't – if they don't take strides from last week to this week, then it's going to be a dogfight in Manhattan on Saturday. Yeah, we saw firsthand the, the effects of true road atmospheres on Will Howard. Now, granted, Will Howard – Still, you know, making at, at what that point in time was his ninth career start. So still very young. And I guess it's, when you think about it, though, Spencer Rattler is not far behind or not far ahead of him in that respect in terms of the number of total starts. But at the end of the day, I think that that'll be interesting to see how he handles that this coming Saturday. And uh, K-State fans, you know, they'll bring it for, for sure. But I still think this Oklahoma team, just looking at the makeup of it and everybody nationally is always been talking about well where's the defense where's the defense it certainly appears that it's it's there now as you said though Grinch is going to have to adjust uh when we start seeing the counter punches and whatnot and obviously things are going to ramp up here with probably the, I would say this is the toughest stretch of the Oklahoma schedule uh coming up here now you touched on one other area that I wanted to hit on before I let you go Oklahoma getting set to to move over to the SEC uh not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about you know the backdoor dealings and everything that went down there uh, from your perspective in terms uh, what, what do you think about that move long-term for the Sooners and, and what, what are you most excited about in terms of getting to, to now start seeing SEC teams on a regular basis? If you can take your fan hat off and anybody listening to this can take it off for 30 seconds here, this is the most badass deal business deal and how it went about and how it went down. And I can't wait for the 30 to 30. Again, you've got to take to kind of take it off and look at big picture of it. I mean, the 11 a.m. kickoff, a lot of people focus on it, but this has been years in the making. I mean, I can talk to you about dealings and meetings they've had with Fox and trying to get better, you know, more appropriate for Oklahoma, I guess what they think are more appropriate kickoff times and opportunities and, you know, what their future or how they're projecting, what they want to do. You know, everybody was talking, everybody's in hand in hand. So, you know, Joe Stiglione goes into that meeting with Fox in the Big 12 to discuss the kickoff time issues that he's having again, and specifically the Nebraska game. He went in there with a deal with the SEC. He went in there with, with the SEC in Texas with ESPN. He went into that deal with Fox and the Big 10, and maybe let's just throw Kansas into that conversation. 
And basically, if Fox didn't tell him what he wanted, it was going to make his decision real easy. So, like I said, if you take your hat off, it's it's one of the most badass business deals that you can think of, and it and kind of admirable. Now, put that fan hat back on. It kind of sucks. I, I grew up in this league. I grew up in this Big 12, the innovativeness of it. Anything that happened in the Big 12 showed up in every other league afterwards. From an offensive perspective for a decade, and now the defensive perspective, whenever you look at what Iowa State's doing, and now look at Arkansas' success in the SEC, because it's the same freaking defense um, that West Virginia was running under Tony Gibson, that what they run under Heacock at Iowa State. Uh, it's, it's all bled into everything else. I'm going to miss this league. Now, from looking long-term and projecting, Oklahoma's going to be fine. Uh, they've got the quarterback position figured out. These guys are – Lincoln's got the schedule and the trajectory down, spend two years spend a year sitting, spend two years playing, go up to the NFL, become a first-round draft pick. They're recruiting at a really high level. They're two years away from recruiting at a level that Ohio State's currently at right now. They're, they're going to be fine. And, you know, I, I think that as they continue to grow defensively, as they continue to grow, you know, and fix this offensive line room right now that, you know, seems to be in despair, I think they're going to be just fine in that league. It's going to be weird, um, but I can't mock it a lie to you seeing Oklahoma and covering a league that's going to be in the SEC is great for me. It's great for my future. It's great for anybody that, that spends time either covering Oklahoma or talking about Oklahoma. And, you know, that's what sucks. But I, I do, I will say, I, I think the Big 12, you know, making a swift, quick decision and bringing these teams in, because nobody knows. Like, they could tell you a team's not valuable, but nobody knows until, you know, five years from now. Like, that's us trying to project, you know, a first-round pick in the NFL draft. Man, that guy's going to be – that team's going to be great or not very good in four years. You're just wasting money on them. Like, you don't know. And, you know, teams can get better. I mean, look at West Virginia's revenue, you know? Like, West Virginia was in ninth, eighth, ninth, tenth and generated revenue on their own when they joined the Big 12. Now they're a top four team in generated revenue, and they're consistent in almost all the sports. And so when you, when you take a look at it, I, I think in the big picture, it's a great thing for everybody. Everybody kind of got what they – not necessarily wanted, right? Oklahoma and Texas truly made their decision. But again, when you take your fan hat off and you, we watch all watch the 30 for 30 on how this deal went down, <laughs> you're talking, you're talking about, you know, one of the craziest badass business deals. And, you know, I left Oklahoma state and they were mad at it. I know Kansas state, you know, people up there were mad at it, but ultimately Oklahoma had to make a choice for itself. They set up this opportunity a decade ago by, having their tier three negotiation rights go up two years prior to the conferences. And, you know, at the end of the day, Oklahoma put it, put, set this out for themselves. They opened up that negotiation window with Fox and ESPN for their tier three rights. And guess what? They use that in their best benefit to negotiate a conference affiliation and the future for the, for Oklahoma, we're talking $70 million plus a year in revenue from the SEC, from ESPN and SEC within the next three years. It's a no brainer deal for Oklahoma. Uh, I don't know if you can say the same for Texas, right? Right now at this point, but it'll be a, it's a no-brainer deal, honestly, for both of those schools, you know. And whenever you take that kind of emotions out of it, and we'll see kind of what happens with it. It'll definitely be wild to see, and I, I too am like you. It's tough thinking about, uh, you know, I grew up watching the, those K-State Oklahoma games when when Stoops right after he 
took Mangino and Mike and everything from the Kansas State staff in the late 90s. You think about, like you said, the air raid concepts that got introduced by by Mike Leach that really just revolutionized the entire league. And the fact that that you can at least uh, concede to that as, as somebody who watches a school that's going to the SEC, you know, the, the folks in that part of the country right now want to act like they're they're the the, innova- the innovators and in all this and man like we've been seeing this since the the early 2000s you know and it, it's crazy to think that that's that Oklahoma and Texas now are going to have a new home in that sense but you know it'll it'll be wild to watch there and I think the new look big 12 you have a lot of programs now that that are much more in line in terms of what the realistic recruiting ceiling is for all of them so you might not see this this great imbalance that you currently see where, I, I mean, it's, it's what you see in the big 10 right now where Ohio state and, and to a degree, Michigan so far leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else really in that conference. And I guess to a degree Penn state, but I, I think Oklahoma now probably amongst peer institutions and recruiting is going to ramp up and be that much more cutthroat for them. But, you know, I'm sure Oklahoma will be up to the task and in, in doing what it needs to do to get some dudes in there. Uh, but Keegan, I uh, can't begin to uh, to thank you enough for your uh, for your time here. Uh, before I cut you loose, go ahead and let our listeners know uh, where can they find you on Twitter, where can they see your work, and just outline what it, what all it is that you do. I'm a co-host of the Through the Keyhole. It's a podcast. It's an Oklahoma football podcast that has a Patreon with it as well, where I break down all the Oklahoma games, scout opponents for kind of the for the crowd that wants to see that kind of stuff. And as well, we have multiple podcasts a week, written content, all fun stuff um, that is all associated and, and focused around Oklahoma football. Whenever, you know, if you're into the sports betting realm, uh, I do do we do projections with kind of an, another side thing that I do. And you can find all those picks each week at Sharp Rank. Uh, off to a rough start, like everybody this year, my man. But uh, whenever in our little pick for our Patreon, I am five games above 500, so – Doing well on those, not doing well on what I'm paid to do for and pick those games for them. But ultimately, it's been a it's been a wild, crazy year. Anything can happen any given Saturday. If you want to find those picks, you can find them at Short Break. Huge thanks again going out to Keegan Renault for joining us on College and Kimball, providing some great insight on the Oklahoma Sooners. And as I mentioned, if you want to check out some of that Patreon work that he's been doing with film analysis and whatnot, you can find the link to access that on the show description. That is going to do it for your opponent preview. Again, K-State getting set to square off with Oklahoma this Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Cats Big 12 home opener of the 2021 campaign, 2.30 kick on Fox proper. Supposed to have a little bit of weather coming through, but hopefully it holds off and we're able to get this one in on Saturday afternoon. Thanks again for listening to us. Go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. And follow us on Twitter. It's college underscore Kimball. With all that said, we wrap it up the way that we always do. Cats, man. If you know, you know.